Let's um, turn our Bibles to the book of Daniel and uh, chapter 10. I start, I read from verse 12 and verse 13. And we have been looking at the subject of prayer. And uh, we saw that Paul told, talked to Timothy about four different types of pray, or prayer. Four different forms of activity that are carried out in an act that is called praying. And he did say, first of all, I will that, uh, that all men right, offer up supplications. Uh, we looked at that. Prayers, and we said that worship, intercession, and the giving of thanks for all men, for kings, and for all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. So he talked about supplication, he talked about worship, he talked about intercession, and then he spoke about intercession and thanksgiving. And we said that when it comes to supplication, it is that a man, right, offers up, let me just go quickly, he makes his request known unto God, citing the areas in the word of God that substantiates the claim of that person. So he says, as they said in Acts chapter 4, it is written in your word, 1, 2, 3, 4, therefore I am asking for this particular things in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his word or will, he hears us, and once he hears us, we know that we have those things that we have asked him for. So we did say, once you have your supplication, this is the prayer you want to make to God, making your request known unto him, substantiating that claim with areas in the word of God, that once you make that known to him and you ask it in the name of Jesus, God hears and answers that prayer immediately. But we said there is a difference between when a human being gets the answer and when God actually answered the prayer. He answers immediately, but then there might be a time period there, all right, for certain activities to be carried out for that individual to get the answer. And we did say that period is called waiting on God. And waiting on God is not just waiting for him to do something. We said it's like the hen that lays the eggs. The hen lays the eggs and then waits on the eggs in order for them to hatch. So she lays the eggs and then every time she comes, sits on the eggs and after 21 days, then the eggs hatch and the chicks now appear. So we said in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, Then said he unto me, the angel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day thou did set thy heart, the first day, to understand and to chasten thyself, thy words were heard from the first day. And I am come because of this word, or your prayers, your request. But the problem was, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and this was a principality, 
withstood me one and twenty days. That's twenty-one days. The angel was informing Daniel that this is why it has taken twenty-one days for me to get to you. It wasn't that God answered the prayer today. He actually answered it 21 days before or ago, but I was withheld by something or a being that I call the prince of the kingdom of passion. But then angel, all right, Michael came, one of the chief princes, came and helped me, and I remained there with the king of passion. And then he said in 14, he said, now I'm come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. Now, when we look at Daniel chapter 9, we also see this here and verse 21. It says, yeah, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning. Now, just for those who want to have a theological background, Gabriel was assignment is to inform. He's an angel that brings information. Michael is an angel that fights, that wars. That's why he tells us in the book of Jude about Michael, who was fighting, but we'll find out that the angel that brought news to Mary about Jesus was Gabriel, brought news to Zechariah, so he carries information while Michael clears the way for him to be able to get to the earth. So he says, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, who I'm seeing the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And verse 22, and he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I am come forth to give the skill, the word skill there is wisdom and understanding. Verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplications, that's the beginning the commandment came forth. That is, that I was commanded by God from the beginning of your supplication to bring this. And I am now come to show thee, thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. So the point where we are last week was that during this waiting period here, what God intends to do is to give us wisdom concerning that thing. Right? The answer there many a times comes in the form of wisdom. There are some answers that come as a manifestation of power to do something, but the biggest things that God will do on the earth, he passes it across as wisdom into the souls of men. So once we get the wisdom and we act on that wisdom, then we get the results that we have prayed about. So wisdom is profitable to direct. So I get wisdom, and then it directs me on what to do, and I carry out what wisdom has stipulated, and then I get, all right, the manifestation. So we said, once you offer up supplication, you go into a posture of spiritual warfare, which means I know this prayer has been heard and answered, and then the Holy Spirit helps you with intercession to birth that thing, which means to cause, to pray through, or to get a breakthrough in prayer, so the angel can come in and inform you so you have the wisdom that is required for that particular situation and then you carry out those things and then the results come. So we said the day you pray was the day the eggs were laid. All right? The day you break through in the spirit is when the eggs hatch and the chicks come out. But you must understand that from the moment you pray and offer up your supplication, God hears and answers it. And so we said, once you have prayed, 
And let's say you prayed on the 14th of June at 9.30 p.m. for something. Now, this is how you go about praying about that thing continuously. So when you go to the throne of grace, you are going with intercession now and thanksgiving. Father, I thank you. On the 14th of June at 9.30 p.m., I asked you in the name of Jesus Christ, based on your word, for one, two, three. Because your word says, if I ask anything according to your will, you hear me, and once you have heard me, I know that I have the petitions I have desired of you. Therefore, thank you for hearing and answering the prayer. Thank you because I have these things. Now I ask for the assistance of the Holy Spirit as I push through in the realm of the Spirit for the fulfillment of this particular thing. And then the individual begins to pray in the Spirit. So he's standing on the fact that God has heard and answered that prayer. And that's where we go into what is called spiritual warfare. Now, we are saying the results of that is that this person now begins to get a flood tide of divine ideas, thoughts coming from God. And as he begins to act on those thoughts, or she begins to act on those thoughts, he says, as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the ground and makes it bring forth and bud, so shall my word be. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways. So as rain is coming, the thoughts of God and the ways of God are falling upon your life. You are getting his ideas. You are getting what you should do, knowledge of what you should do. You are acting on it, and then results now begin to come. So the angel comes in with that. Now you have to be very watchful here because the scripture tells us that be hospitable unto strangers, which means how you treat people, very important during this process. Because that angel many a time comes through strangers. And it says, be hospitable unto them, for some have entertained strangers on a wild. In other words, strangers come with this information sometimes, say things to you, speak things to you. And if you are a person who is meek and humble, and you are a person, all right, who is hospitable, then you are able to embrace these things and put them into practice, and then the results begin to show. So we are talking about this time of waiting. God has heard and answered the prayer. I'm waiting on him for the manifestation of that answer within my life. And we said what the angel principally is bringing into your life is wisdom, all right, and understanding. That's what the angel is bringing. When the wisdom and understanding comes, there you put that to work and you get results. Let's show what we're saying. Proverbs 24 and verse 13. It says, my son, eat honey because it is good and the honeycomb because it is sweet to thy taste. So it says, it's good for you, it's also sweet. But then it goes on and says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul, which means it will be sweet to your soul. When thou hast found it, there shall be a reward. Now, what does it mean there shall be a reward? Remember, the scripture says, cast not away your confidence that has a great recompense of reward. It says, this is the confidence we should not cast away. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, which means there shall be a reward, which is the answer to your prayer. When you have found the knowledge of wisdom, there shall be a reward, and your expectation shall not be cut off. 
Remember when Daniel prayed, the prince of Persia wanted to cut off the expectation of Daniel. So the angel said, I've brought wisdom to you. So it's the knowledge of wisdom that brings the reward and your expectation shall not be cut off. So it's knowledge of wisdom here. Now, I'm getting to how we get to this wisdom. Then it tells us in Mark chapter 6 and verse 2 about this wisdom again in the life of Jesus and how powerful it was. It says, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Now, this wisdom was coming out of the lips of Jesus, saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So they said these mighty works that are wrought by his hands is as a result of the kind of wisdom that God gave to him. So they acknowledged that it's wisdom all right, that entered into the soul of Jesus that actually was responsible for the mighty works. So you are praying for mighty things, and God says, I will give you the wisdom in your soul, and when you carry out the wisdom, these mighty things are going to happen. So you can always, you know the ways of God. You know how they happened. Not only do you get the results, but you know the method behind the results. And therefore, they are repeatable to you. You can teach them, all right, to people. You can communicate it to people, even though they brought an experience into your life. So we go again. God answers the prayer, tells the angel, go and give him the method on how this answer will be made manifest. He answers the prayer. You pray for money. God says we don't have money in heaven, but we have the know-how in heaven. Get the wisdom into his heart. He uses that wisdom on the earth, then he gets material substance. He says, listen, I'm praying for his spouse. God says we don't have human beings in heaven. We are dropping to you on the earth. But there is a way to comport yourself on the earth in order for you to marry right and to draw the right people into your life. Angel, give him or her that wisdom. Once they fashion their life after this wisdom, what they are asking for will happen. It's the law of cause and effect. In other words, anything, all right, that happens on the outside, there's a reason, all right, behind it. God says, I will give you the reason. You will carry out that thing, which is the logos, the logic. You carry out the logic, and then the results come. Well, I'm praying for growth in my business. God says growth in your business amounts to more clients coming to you. Growth in your business says we don't have those people in heaven, but we can teach you things, we have wisdom, that when you conduct your business in this particular way, you are going to grow your clientele by 300% in the next six months. This information is in heaven. We will pass it across to you. So don't start looking outside for more people Look for this wisdom. Once you find it, put this wisdom into practice and it will work. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 3, 15. It says, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Wise unto salvation. So it takes wisdom to produce salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. So it's this wisdom thing that comes into your soul. Uh, the Bible says, receiving the end of your faith, 
the salvation of your soul. Uh, God says, let's say, what we are saving is the soul because I wish above all things that you prosper and you be in good health even as your soul prospers. So a man's progress is determined by his, the state of the soul of that man. God says we will transform the soul and then the soul will transform the life. You are transformed on the outside by the renewal of your mind. If new thoughts are given to you about life, then it will change the outcome in your life. Yesterday I picked up a book, I bought some years back, I wanted to go over it. And you know, when you read things you've read before, you see some things you have not seen because you've grown. And I, this gentleman that wrote the book was talking about innovation, and I just saw somewhere where he wrote it, he had gone through rough times. He said, I sat in the basement of that small house I had there, and I was reading, and he talked about the various kinds of things he was reading. He said, until I thought myself out of poverty, that I thought myself out of it, which means thoughts came to me and said, and in the space of, I think, nine months, he became the head of innovation in a Fortune 500 company. He said, but I thought, I sat down when I was gaining, and then I thought myself out of it. Yes, many years ago, I used to use this example. I've stopped, or I used to come to church many years ago. I said that a man's life prospers even as his soul prospers. So you want to change a man's life, you change the capacity of his soul. And I say that you will take a man, for an, just an example now, you take a man who is in a business, let's say what we call mom and pop shop, the turnover is 200,000. That is the size of the soul of the man. That is his organizational intelligence. You just take that man and put him into a business that the turnover is 200 million and drop him there. You didn't take him to any training, no process. He was not just take him and drop him there. What will happen to that 200 million business that he will start making decisions based on the size of his soul, which is 200,000, and he will make wrong decisions until that business crashes to the size of 200,000. Then everybody will have peace. He will hire the wrong people. He will talk to people that are talented anyhow. He won't understand. He will do all those things, make obvious mistakes to a person who has grown. They're saying these are mistakes because that is the size of his soul. Now, if you take a man who grew a business, not that he was appointed there, grew a business from 200,000 to 200 million, Take him to a 200,000 business, make him CEO, he will start growing at that business again because the outward will take the shape, all right, of the inward. A man is transformed by the renewal of his mind. So the target of God is the soul of a man. Says we give information to this man and he begins to operate at this level, all right, thinking at this level, he will change his entire life. So when we say, Father, I thank you, you must understand what you are reaching for, therefore, is wisdom. So we get to the message, all right, quickly, and it's a simple message. So in the book of James, all right, it's a book that really talks about the wisdom strategies for a person who is offering the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is the way to conduct yourself during that waiting period when you are operating the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is what Elijah operated. And when he said, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain, God is about to send rain. He told Ahab, God is about to send rain, I'm sure. 
However, I will stay in the posture there of intercession until the hand of God comes, and then I know that we've gotten a breakthrough, and then, all right, the rain now began to fall. So it's the prayer of faith. So in James chapter 1 from verse 2, he says, Therefore, count it all joy. My brethren, count all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect and, and perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So here it says, let patience. What's patience? Patience is consistency. Patience means you don't waver after you believe that God has done something. Patience is that continuance, that consistency, you do not waver. He said, let patience do its perfect work in you. That when it has done its work, there is a work that is going on when you are consistently holding on to the truth that God has heard and answered your prayer when the appearances contradict it. He says that patience will produce a work in you that will make you perfect and entire. He says wanting nothing. Now if you look at Romans 5 from verse 1, I want to look at this patience too. And we see what happens. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. Then verse 2, it says, verse 2, by whom also we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we are rejoicing in the expectation of something. Then verse 3, it says, not only so, which means we are rejoicing in the expectation of something. Now, patience now wants to kick in. But we also glory in tribulation, which means when things begin to happen and it doesn't look like it's working, we are glorying in that, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Well, then he said something. Patience, the work of patience, is experience. And he says once patience has produced what he calls experience, experience, it will produce the results, which is that hope. What you are hoping for, experience will produce it. But patience is what will produce the experience. Now, what's the meaning of that word experience? That word experience there means, all right, it produces a tested person. Now, the concept behind this is like a car manufacturer builds cars. And every car they build out of the plant, regardless of the design and everything, once they finish, they must take those cars on test drives to make sure that their cars are road-worthy. So they will test the cars. Now, while testing, they will make sure they have their gadgets. If they find any fault with any car, they will rectify it, take it through the test again, rectify any fault, take it through the test until it's perfect. Once it's perfect, then they stamp road-worthy, you can sell. So what he's saying here is that tribulation, the time of tribulation, is that God is allowing you to go on a test drive. Now, so what he's doing in the test drive is this. He's correcting any fault that might be wrong with you so that you are, you, you are built up and ready for that next level that your prayer has commanded. Do you, are you following what I'm saying here? So he's taking you through. You, you, we'll say this again. He's taking you through the test drive. The right drive, okay, boom, boom, man looks at it and says, ah, no, the tires are not balanced properly. Oh, I'm going to change that. So he's taking you through that test drive, right? Now, if the corrections are not made, then you are not worthy, all right, for the road. So the test drive is not just about 
We are just driving, and after six months, he just says, all right, you can go in. He's making corrections. That's why James, let's go back there, one. There you get it now, four. It says this, James 1, 4, all right, quickly. But let patience have a perfect work that it might be perfect. So there's a work going on. An entire wanted nothing. Now he wants to tell us, verse 5, you see it here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. In other words, it's the same wisdom here. So while I'm waiting patiently and I'm being tested, God says, ask for wisdom here. There's that same wisdom. You're praying here, wisdom, 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 right? So that I can know the adjustment. I can know what is wrong. And God give it to all men liberal and doesn't upbraid, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith, all right? Nothing wavering, which means, all right, if you're not getting the results, don't waver. It is a wisdom issue. It's not that God didn't hear and answer your prayer. It's a wisdom thing. He's teaching you certain things. He's making the adjustments there. He says, ask in faith. Don't waver. For he that wavered is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. So there's wisdom there. And this is what I see here. So the book of James is about the wisdom insight. He's showing us areas in that test drive. He's suggesting to us, change this here. This is what this book's about. Change that here. He's suggesting, change this here. When you respond to situations, respond this way. Now, when you allow that work to be done in you, then you are roadworthy. And he says, then the manifestations of those things, all right, begin to come. Thank you for listening. 